0: where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today our guest is the lovely and multi-talented Liberty Forrest. Thank you for joining us, Liberty.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Well, Liberty, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? And and I know that's a really big question for you with all your many talents and, and, and experiences and abilities. But what, what are you working on?
1: Yes, you're right. I, I do a whole bunch of things, so we won't go into the list. But the main thing, the thing I love the most is I write books. And I'm currently working on uh, co-writing a book with the uh, also multi-talented and super interesting Frank Moffat. Um but a book that I finished most recently is an inspirational coloring book. That's more like a workbook, a sort of a well, without it being work, it's a kind of a healing journey. It's called Creative Healing and each image is accompanied by at least one full page of thought provoking, inspiring text to help people overcome obstacles.
0: Oh that sounds Get amazing. Us- well, it
1: seems to be uh making people quite happy. They it it's it's laid out like a journey. So you can sort of start at day one and work your way through. You don't have to do it one a day by any means, but it's laid out where you sort of start with, okay, where am I and where do I want to be? You know, what do I need to change in my life? What do I need to fix and how can I move forward? And then it takes you step by step through a process mm. uh, with reading that goes with the, the coloring. And of course it's, you know, it's really interesting how coloring has become so popular, but it's not just fun. There are so many studies that prove all the benefits that you get from it. And so I thought, well, how perfect is that? Because I'm also a meditation instructor. And when coloring, it's kind of meditative. And when you're in that relaxed place, you absorb information on a much deeper level. So I'm thinking, well, I'll, I'll write all of this thought provoking, um, healing text. And then while people are coloring, they can be thinking about it and kind of absorb the words and the meaning and it can help them to actually do some healing.
0: Oh, very much so. I know I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever, but I do love to color and, and I get so excited when I see all the different adult coloring books. I have, I have quite the collection, I have to admit. <laughs> That's cool.
1: One of the things too that I've heard people complaining about is some of the coloring books. They started fairly simply, and then they got more and more complicated as people, I think, were trying to make them better. But, you know, better is the enemy of good. <laughs> and uh, and and people have been, have been complaining that many of the coloring books are too complex, too detailed, and it's not fun, it becomes work. So mine are not like that. They're not super easy. Well, some of them are quite basic. But they're kind of you know, we don't have tiny little itty bitty things that drive you mental when you're coloring. So.
0: Well, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about because some of them, like if it's if it's mandalas and heart patterns and stuff, I understand. But like if you're trying to color an animal and they're having you color flowers on it and stuff like that, I'm going, that's wrong. <laughs> that is yeah. not how it's supposed to be. You blasphemy.
1: Some people might love that, and that's great for them. But but when when the point is just to kind of relax, not really think about it. You just, that doesn't work. So mine are sort of in the middle of the road where they're not too plain. And I I, I had somebody actually say once about the complicated ones. She said, I got really fed up and I just went and I bought, I think it was a Winnie the Pooh one or something. (laughs) Mine are a little more complex than that, but yeah. Anyway, the, the point is just that I thought it would be a, an interesting way to combine my artistic ability with my love of writing and my ability um, from my personal and professional experience with helping people and doing sort of counseling work, which I also do sort of one on one over the Internet. Um, that's that was a great way to combine all of that.
0: Where would a person find your coloring book?
1: Pretty much anywhere on the Internet or you can order it from any bookstore. It's called Creative Healing 30 uh, Day. What's it called? A 30 Day Workbook or 30-day, 30, 30 oh, now I don't remember, 30-day <laughs> journey or something. Gosh, I can't remember how good is that. Um, or on my website, which is libertyforestwith2rs.com.
0: All right. And what is your family situation, dear?
1: I have um, currently no partner. I'm on my own, which is super cool and loads of fun. And uh, I have five children, all grown, and five, oh, dear, grandchildren. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that happened when I... I don't even feel like I'm as old as my middle kid yet, never mind the older ones that have children.
0: (sighs) Yes, I always say I'm going, I don't age, but my child does. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it, it has a bad habit of throwing us off kilter when it's like, how in the world could I be the mom of a teenager? Like, this, how did this happen?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll try having a couple of grandchildren who are already of legal drinking age.
0: (gasps) (gasps) I, I don't even want to go there. I'm not, I'm not, I am not ready for that. I don't want to go there. Yet. My daughter and I both started very
1: early, I have to say. It was kind of, I don't even want to say how old I was the first time I became a grandmother, but I was really young.
0: Well, I've, I've been explaining with, 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 with my daughter that 30 is the perfect time to become a mother. <laughs> yeah, I was doing it then for the, fourth time <laughs> you obviously have lots of experience with raising raising kids and all this stuff and and but we're going to start back with your with your childhood when when did you first start noticing money when you were a kid and realizing that it was an important thing
1: <laughs> well I actually funny stuff, I just a memory just came to mind when you said that uh, my parents I was probably five or so this is in Regina <laughs> and um, every now and then they would give me like a nickel or something to go uh to the corner store and get something. And on a particular Saturday, they had given me a nickel, and they kept this little thing of change on the dresser in the bedroom. And uh so I got this nickel, and away I went down to the corner store and got, you know, nine pounds of candy, which you could do back then. Yeah,
0: candy was much cheaper when we were little.
1: <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> and uh, so... I went back home and I ate whatever the little bits I'd got. And then I went and I didn't find another. I guess I'd taken a dime. I didn't understand the difference. I just, oh, you take one of these. I didn't really understand about money. I just, Oh, take one of these. I can go to the store. (laughs) So I took a dime and I went back to the store. I can't remember how my parents found out. I think the shop owner had said something or I don't, I don't know, but they found out anyway. And, and my dad, he didn't get angry, bless him, but he made it abundantly clear that that wasn't okay, yep. that you know suddenly I understood that there was some value to those things. I didn't really get it, but I knew oh oh there's there's some sort of value placed on these things, and I'm only allowed to have what they give me and Then, if we sort of skip ahead a few years after that, my mother went back to work full time, and my dad sort of worked sporadically and we did not have a lot of money. So I heard about that often enough that, you know, no, we can't afford this and we can't afford that. And there's no money for this and there's no money for that. And, you know, my mom, bless her, did the best she could, especially as a woman back in the 60s working full time and they didn't get much money. And I managed to have music lessons and braces. And, I mean, she I remember her paying on the braces for a long time. Yep.
0: (laughs) They're not cheap. (laughs)
1: Oh, no, but back then I think it was, and I only had them on the top because she couldn't afford both. And I think it was, I think it was $500, which now is laughable. Yeah, well. <laughs> that's,
0: that's, that's your consultation appointment now.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. But uh, she paid on that a little bit every month for a long, long time. And that was a big deal for her. But I, so I just remember hearing, you know, like we, there was, there was always no when we were shopping. I, I didn't ask. For much, I wasn't, I wasn't good at asking anyway, but you know, if we went for groceries, for example, I just knew, no, we're not having things like crisps or cookies or pop pop, stuff like that that other people had or the sweet cereals that cost more. You know, we just didn't have treats. It was really, really rare that my mother would buy one of those boxes of three bags of old Dutch potato chips. That was super, super rare. Like it could be. I don't know months and months would go by. It might be once or twice a year at most. um that was sort of like the treat um so that that was sort of how I was raised was just this there isn't any money and but nobody talked about anything like budgeting or what you're supposed to do with it. I just heard we don't have any, yep, so then I found myself leaving home at sixteen and being a single parent for the first time in my late teens and there i was trying to manage to make ends meet and things kind of went from bad to worse after that with more kids and you know as things unfolded and i just had to muddle through and of course being a single parent especially everything was about necessity i had to make sure that i had a decent home and that we had food and that i could pay for the daycare and thank god for subsidies (laughs) and Um, somehow I, I always managed, but it was always, uh, I, I think having children, or at least having children and not having much money, actually made me be quite good at managing money, because I didn't, I didn't really have any.
0: Yeah, the, op- the option of being, of squandering, it just isn't there.
1: <laughs> no, but, but uh, on the other, the, the downside of that, is that I didn't save any, because I was using every penny. And my mother used to always say, save the, what did they used to call it back then? I forget what it is now, child tax credits or something. But back then, oh, family allowance. Family allowance. And everybody got the same amount. And I think I got something like eight bucks for a kid, you know. (laughs) And she used to say, save it, save it and do not touch it. Don't ever, ever touch it. And someday it will be a lot of money. But when you're struggling to buy food.
0: Yeah, it's like how do you make those choices? It's like, hmm, yes, saving for the future is lovely, but I've got hungry kids now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then I was doing work that was was at that point in the very early single parenting years, I was typing court transcripts. So I got paid per page, and you never knew whether there was going to be any work the next day or the next week or the next 3 weeks. You said I had to take it while it was there. So I was I worked a lot, worked from home. So I could at least be around more with my children, which was helpful. Um, But again, it was kind of hand to mouth. Like I I had, I had to work a lot because I never knew if I was going to have any money. I saved where I could, but then invariably there'd be dry spells where I then had to use that little bit, and it was never a lot. But I just always sort of got by somehow.
0: And 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 looking back to like when you were going through all of this stuff and with the kids. What questions and stuff like what what were the experiences that you you saw the kids going through that?
1: Um, mostly they were pretty good about it. I had one who one who liked to help herself to things that uh <laughs> she shouldn't have, shall we say. Um <laughs> Including money in my wallet. <laughs> oh. Which was which was not helpful. Um that's a whole other story, but You know, I guess some kids will go through that, don't they? Especially when they're always told no. But for the most part, they were pretty good about it. They just understood that, you know, I just didn't have any. And I always felt bad because I wanted them to have so much more than I'd had. And not that I was complaining. I didn't feel like I was deprived. That's one thing. I never felt deprived, even though I know, you know, I didn't have much growing up. I had more than some people. I I mean, I look now at the way people go so, and I know I'm generalizing, but Gosh, the things that people do to go overboard for their kids, like I've got one daughter who goes mental with the way she buys stuff, Well, she and her husband, they buy anything and everything there is to get for these kids to the point where her daughter hates opening presents because she's sick of it. I mean, that's just outrageous. Or I think you and I were talking a while ago about how I used to live near my high school in Calgary, and um I'd go for a walk. I used to walk past uh lord beaverbrook often and when i was going to school there many years ago if anybody had a car it was an old rust bucket there were only a few of them in the in the student car park back then but now it's loaded with brand new looking vehicles yep you know i don't know whether it's if these are the kids vehicles or if they're able to use their parents vehicles but Back when I was a kid, nobody was using parents' vehicles.
0: <laughs> yeah, because the parents needed the vehicles.
1: <laughs> exactly, you know, and, and if you were lucky, you had one car in the family. Now it's you know two cars, and oh, sure, the kid can take the car for the day and whatever. But I just it it's shocking to see how much people have now, how much kids get now, and uh, and there's a sense of entitlement quite often. I know that's not true with every family or no, every it, child. It's
0: not true, but it it is a big thing because like. Yes, you're a bit older than I am, but when 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 we were growing up and stuff like the money wasn't aware. and the big thing credit wasn't available like it it was and people people did get married younger and and they started having kids younger where people are doing it like I've got friends that are having babies now and they're my age or older so in their 40s so they've had the time to build up the assets and stuff where when when you're when your par- starting to have your kids in like your late teens, early 20s, which was very common back in our parents' day and, and that, um, the money just wasn't there. And people that grew up not starving or anything, but being told, no, we can't have a we can't do any of that. A lot of the people swing the other way when it comes to their kids, but I don't think that's really helping them in a lot of ways because they do get this sense of entitlement. What do you mean I can't have it? And then how do they deal with reality when they go out into the world and they're going, okay, well, i got to get my first job and stuff, and I'm not going to have all the money. Or they'll get all the stuff, and then they're in debt up to their eyeballs and stressed to the gills. And you know
1: what else? I was just thinking as you were talking about that, it reminded me, don't ask me why, but it reminded me of, I remember when when ATMs were first created, yep. or when we first got in Calgary anyway. It was 1982. And prior to that, and we were all like, "Wow, you you can go to the bank anytime and take
0: money out." Yeah, you don't have to get there during bankers' hours.
1: It used to be that you'd have to go. I mean, it was the banks were only open from Monday to Friday from ten to three. Yep. And then there came a point when, oh wow, they were open on Fridays till six, so you didn't have to dash on your lunch lunch hour and yep. stand there in a the queue for the whole lunch hour and hope you could get through in time to get back to work. And, and now you had to, you had Friday after work. If you got off soon enough, you might be able to get there then. I mean, it was ridiculous because that was how you had to deposit everything. Yep. And then you had to take out as much cash as you thought you might need. Because
0: you weren't going to get any more till Monday.
1: <laughs> or, or for the next couple of weeks till your next yep. payday, or because you just didn't have time to go stand at the bank. So, so people didn't have as much cash. And like you said, they didn't have a lot of credit either. Yep. So they don't take out as much cash as they thought they'd need. So they're more careful with spending. They spent cash. And they also had to pay all their bills that way. So you'd go stand at the teller and that's how, I mean, you could mail it in, but a lot of people would go and pay their utilities and their gas and their phone and all those things um at the bank. So everything was very much more, you can sort of see, I've got this much coming in and I've got that much going out. I have this much left. It was, I think, a lot easier to keep track, but it was.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't as convenient, but one of the things, that it, that it worked really well with is it made people be very aware of what was actually going on because they actually had to be an integral part of the process. And while it's gotten so much more convenient with so many things and like every utility company and all that will, will either demand that they have automatic access to your bank or your credit card or they'll offer it. And I'm going, I don't want you doing that because Then you're not seeing it. You're not paying attention. And if they're sneaking in fees and all of this stuff, you're, you're, you're abdicating your responsibility. And then things can get messy just for the simple fact that you were not involved.
1: Yeah. And it's too easy to just go to that cash machine and take out another 20, another 50,
0: another 10, and you're not, or just put it on the card to begin with, let alone even touching the cash.
1: Oh, yeah. That too. That too. And then you got things like gambling in bars and stuff like that now where you could just again go take out a bunch of cash and keep throwing it in the machine yeah I, I think it's I think it's you uh, know it's certainly been more convenient but like with everything more freedom also brings more responsibility but I don't think people see it that way when it comes to money and cash machines or the or a bank card
0: well no they don't because like I said we don't talk about it and that's just the way things go and it like I said it makes it a lot more Convenient. I was I was visiting with clients yesterday, and there's they, they live out on an acreage, so they have to have some services, and the services require a check. They won't do e transfers or anything like that, because one one of the guys is an older guy, and I'm not going to be doing this forever, and I just prefer checks because I know how they work. That that's that's good in, in in some ways, but it's like there's you can't even there's lots of um, checking accounts where you can't even get checks. They won't give them to you because it's all e yeah. transfer or all of this stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, how do you deal with all this stuff? And, and, and be aware people do not talk about it. Yeah. And I
1: think another thing that, that you asked about how my, how I was with my kids or what their experience was with money, that sort of reminds me of the allowance issue because, you know, about keeping track of your money that I, I always struggled with whether I should give them an allowance just because. And let them figure out what to do with it or teach them about saving and here you can spend that much or whatever. Or should I have them do certain chores in exchange for getting an allowance? Because I've seen different families do both and I could see reason to do both. I could see it's good to just give them that money just because and, and then help them figure out what to do with it. Um, I could also see value in um, letting them earn it because that gives them a sense of pride and accomplishment. And it helps them when they get out into the working world that, you know, if I do a good job, I'll get paid. You know, I'll get, I'll get some like a financial reward for this. But that always made me feel like, you know, when you're a part of a family, things just need doing. I didn't get paid for doing the washing up and doing the hoovering and doing the toilet cleaning and all the other things. So why should my kids get paid to do it? So I was always a bit stuck. And I think after I didn't have any kids at home anymore, I finally figured out I should have done both, you know, given them a certain amount. And then if you want to earn extra, then here you can do these jobs to earn more money. So they'd see both. But I never thought of that. I just used to go sort of back and forth. Most of the time I didn't have any money to give them anyway, like as a regular allowance. So I sort of just gave them money as they needed it for something.
0: And and, and that's a really, really common question that comes up with parents and it is a challenging one and and I'm very much of the belief that kids should have a, a regular allowance and it should be like tied to their age like you're not going to be giving ten bucks a week to a three year old but tied, but I don't put it to specific chores because I've always taught my daughter and stuff you're part of the family and there are certain things that just need to be done like mom does the cooking and I don't get paid extra for doing that <laughs> And then if she wants to earn more, then there's bigger jobs or special projects and stuff. Because I work from home and I have my office and stuff. Um, a lot of the time, uh, I get I get huge amounts of client statements twice a year. So my daughter will do that filing for me, and then I do pay her for that because that's that's something over over and above for that. And she'll now come down when I get get bits of filing in and it's not anywhere near as much because more and more of my companies are going electronic, but like her looking after her cats and, and cleaning up the dishes and stuff after dinner, that's just her responsibility for being part of the family. And you're going to be getting your, your, your allowance because you need to understand how to do money. And there are certain things that she's getting older and, and her allowance is going up that I'm not buying for her anymore because she's learning to take care of it. Yeah,
1: that's a good thing.
0: Cause yeah, I, I never pretty much never got an allowance when I was growing up because it just wasn't wasn't an option. The money wasn't wasn't there. And uh, so i started I started working very young because I wanted to do like get certain clothes and things like that cause I was a teenage girl, and I'm going my parents weren't going to do it because it wasn't an option. So if I wanted it, I had to pay for it myself. So I started working very young.
1: I remember babysitting every now and then. There weren't that many people around us, but there were a few. And I got to babysit now and then. And that was sort of back when, well, I, I remember when I first started, there was uh, there was a lady down the street. Most people were sort of getting about 50 cents an hour.
0: <laughs> it's
1: hilarious. But I remember this family down the street. I, bab- I think it was the first time I babysat. And they gave me 50 cents an hour. And my mother tore my head off, yelled at me, was furious with me, and said there was no way I should have accepted that I didn't deserve that and I needed to take the money back and tell them no more than 35
0: oh, and like, she was
1: angry me, like it was my fault but yeah, that's how she treated me about everything <laughs> so it was just her but so I I went back and I I tried to give it back but they wouldn't let me they were just like no we want to give you this you did a good job that's what we think you're worth and take it well I thought oh god now I'm going to be dead yeah, she was not happy. She was furious with me for for coming back with the money. I was. I remember standing there in the alley, sort of halfway between their house and our house, and going, oh, crap, what do I do now? <laughs> I couldn't give it back, and I wasn't allowed to keep it, so what do I do? Oh, I was terrified. But, yeah, the standard was 50 P, oh, sorry, not P, cents <laughs> um, an hour, and, um yeah it it was it was sort of the going rate, and then you get you know seventy five an hour sometimes a dollar an hour after midnight, but there weren't that many of those,
0: yeah,
1: but that went really fast, especially when I was stupid and started smoking <laughs> and that was when a pack of cigarettes cost fifty cents too, so the whole my whole you know an hour's babysitting money, or I used to get i think I got fifty cents a week then, so I could have like a pack of cigarettes to last for a whole week or I could, I didn't smoke all the time either. I mean, I was a kid and an amateur, so that was good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was sporadic. I didn't always get an allowance. So I never really knew what I was going to get, but that was, uh, that was a, that was a strong message I got was I didn't deserve. um I heard that a lot about a lot of things. I didn't, I was told I didn't deserve anything nice. So, that was always tricky then, when it came to wanting to spend any money on myself when you know things I needed, even that's that so that's been a bit of an issue too
0: well and there's there's all these issues that we that we get that we we inherited when we were children and that that our parents had and and things like that and i I know definitely some of the things I've heard as a kid and then understanding. As I grew up and, and learning where the stories came from about how my parents got that from when they were kids and stuff and and we're not supposed to like to be don't be greedy and 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 don't rip people off and or they're just trying to buy your love and and did you really work for that and and yeah, yeah. just all all the hangups and then are we aware of those so that we're we're breaking those 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 patterns and not passing on those those negative limiting beliefs to our kids and then our grandchildren also like how do we stop those patterns
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question
0: (laughs) well the 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 first thing is 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 being aware of them and I, i notice a lot of things like if like my my grandparents on my dad's side they they got married right in um what was it 1932 or something in saskatchewan and they they lost a farm within their first few years of, of marriage because of the great depression. And so then they moved from Saskatchewan out to white rock, but all the different holdovers that my grandparents had and then, and then passed on to, to their three kids because this is the stuff that we had. You didn't throw anything away. Like, and if it broke, you figured out a way to fix it over and over and over again until towels were like, there was nothing left to be fixed and things like that because they had been through such absolute desperate poverty or you've worked with, um, I've worked with people who, who their families were in Europe during world war two and the stuff that went on with that and, and how it has affected them and their, and their kids and their grandchildren, even decades afterwards.
1: I really see that living over here in England to see that mentality, that war mentality, because people who were really living in it, you know, things here were being, like England was being bombed and I mean, they were, it was certainly in Canada, they felt it as well with rations and that sort of thing. But here it was very different. Yep. And, and I, I've i been in, in all the years that I've lived over here, I've really seen, uh, people of that generation have a, a real, um, issue with money and, and spending and, and not throwing anything out and, Using it until you know you can't possibly find a way to use a thing anymore. There is, there's that's. It's like even though it's a a wealthier country now, and and there is no war, and the buildings are not being bombed, and we're not on rations, and all of that, I and mean, people might have a lot of money because they've saved it all these years. Because of that mentality, they don't want to spend it because there's still that really deep seated fear that there isn't going to be money. That it's they're all they're going to lose it all. And there was that training for you know you don't waste anything you don't spend anything, so that's i I really see it over here in a in a much bigger way than than it is in canada
0: and and there's some ways that are really good about it, like unfortunately, there's so much stuff that because of how our society's gone and it's so materialistic and there's it's it's it, the big thing is the fast fashion. There's always new clothes coming out at H and M and all of that stuff all the time. So the people always trying to get you to buy. So we've we've got that. And then, but there's also the things like, okay, how do we not go into hoarding mode and different things? So it's always how do you deal with the emotions and stuff with that? Where where's the healthy balance? And and I yeah. keep coming back to this. A large part of it needs to be people need to talk more about it and be open about it rather than dealing with it as so much shame. Yes, absolutely. So to uh, finish up here, if if you could make sure that we'll go with the grandchildren and, and, and stuff now. If you could go, I want my kids and my grandchildren to have these three met lessons about money. What would you want them to uh,
1: know? First and most importantly, get a really good education. Get a university degree or some sort of diploma or something that will give you a really good secure job to fall back on. OMG, I wish I had done that. Uh, but there was no encouragement for that. (laughs) And, uh, but that then you set up, you've always at least got a really good way to have an income. You know, they say money doesn't buy happiness, but it's sure a lot easier to live with your bills being paid than it isn't.
0: Poverty sure doesn't buy happiness.
1: No, it certainly doesn't. So that would be my first thing. Um, and then, um, to be really focused on budget and and how you and about saving but also making sure that you do have some little treats and things that you know that make you happy that make life more enjoyable because yes it's good to save but I think it's also important to enjoy some of as they say the fruits of your labor like if you never get to have a pizza or go out for a meal or enjoy a holiday or anything life isn't really much fun yeah so Saving is good, but let's have some balance and let's also spend some of it so you can actually enjoy your life. But of course, again, this goes back to having a good education and a good job that pays well. So you have the freedom to do that because that's that's where that freedom begins is with having a a good job that pays well. So that's number one. And number two is the balance between saving and spending enough to sort of enjoy your life. And number three, massive one, retirement savings, whatever that looks like investments or whatever other things that I don't know anything about but whatever it it takes to make sure that you're okay for retirement do that and start early because the earlier you start the easier it is and the more you'll have at the end of your life because you don't know how long you're going to live and who wants to live on you know as they say about dog food and living in a box and yeah. who wants to reach old age it's hard enough to be aging and have health issues and mobility issues and those kinds of things and then be worrying about where you're going to live So those, if you've got those three things in place, I think that's a great basis for having a good life start to finish.
0: Well, that is wonderful. So thank you very much for joining us and sharing your wisdom.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for the invitation. I've had fun, as always, chatting with you.
0: All right. Have a good day.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated, and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Hamming column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.fun.